0: Has our our Michael Jordan started training yet in parkour? Has our our goat emerged or not? Like some people will say that Danny was one of the greatest or Phil was very good. And now someone like Ed Scott could be seen as one of the greatest. But has the actual greatest parkour athlete even started training yet? I don't know. Ooh. Maybe. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? Isn't that interesting? Like the greats of my generation are now vastly surpassed by like kids who have been training for like five years. Hi, Luis here. Glad that you're also
1: sticking by. Today, I had the honor to swap shoes with Scott Bass, the mastermind behind Ampy Sounds. Scott has been a core community member since the golden age of parkour in Cambridge. He started documenting and posting parkour videos in YouTube back in 2006. Incredible and legendary videos that motivated and represented a beautiful generation. This episode has two parts. We kept chatting after the usual time format of Swapping Shoes and luckily I left the Zoom call recording. And I gotta tell you, the second part is one of the best moments of this podcast. This man has so much to share and here's a tiny bit of it. So let's go. This is Swapping Shoes with Scott Base.
0: There we are there you uh, are <laughs> yeah good to see you <laughs> what's going on dude how are you i'm good and you yeah i'm great
1: thank you for being on shopping shoes i'm very excited about it
0: oh it's good to be here i've i've listened to quite a lot of these so i'm actually stoked to uh you know finally get the time to talk to you yourself cool nice thank you how's life in cambridge it's good yeah it's been snowing and cold the last couple of weeks so not much has gone on but um yeah it's been good
1: Uh, I don't usually do right questions. I let it go with the flow, more or less. But you you are maybe the first one that is invited, but not for being an athlete, but because uh, you are uh,
0: Ampisound. Right, yeah.
1: What is Ampisound for you right now?
0: Oh, that's a big question, isn't it? Um, At this moment in time, Ampisound is... I guess it's turned into my my career my job my project my contribution to parkour but really ampersound is my what i use my excuse to hang out with parkour people still um because i love (laughs) the parkour community and i've been involved for so long Sound is what I can use to continue that interface with parkour people. I can go out and I can go training, not that I do the training, but I'm going to film and take pictures and hang out and I can go and shoot and I can travel and I get to be part of this wonderful mm-hmm. community without actually practicing the physical aspects very much anymore.
1: Cool. And it seems to me like, a, like, a, you have like Shane Connor, uh, Harry, they seem like they are part of the Ampsound team sort of, is that a thing?
0: yeah so we for the longest time I shied away from having a team because I think that there's a lot of parkour teams that have been amazing but they've kind of come and gone and I didn't want ampersound to be something that was boxed into this is the team only Mm -hmm. Um, but as time has gone on and you know these guys are my close friends and we film a lot and we hang out a lot together I kind of realized that these people I can directly support through the weight of ampersound because it's a fairly large youtube channel Mm -hmm. and it's got some you know reputation to it and Harrison and Shane and Connor and and George these guys are smaller athletes Mm -hmm. and they do so much for me whenever I'm out and we're training and we're shooting these are like close friends and I've you know ultimately in some way grown ampersound by capturing their movement Mm -hmm. so the least I can do is try to also grow them as people whether that's with Projects and jobs, or a little bit of money here and there, paying for petrol, buying food, little things or big things. It's something that I want to give back to nice. them as they give to me.
1: Um, so you are one of the most influential figures in parkour community. You are. You maybe you don't want to be, but you are. And, and, and again, it's not because of the movement, but it's because of Ampi sound It's because of your video making. Unfortunately, but you used to have uh, regular practice back in the days, right?
0: Yeah, so I was I was training a lot when I was, gosh, 14. Mm-hmm. And I trained from like 14 years old, uh, until I was about 21. And then around that time to I'm, I'm nearly 30. Now, around 2122, I started having knee problems. And those knee problems were on and off. And it started to affect how fun training was because training in pain is not fun eventually a few years after that I had knee surgery it was unsuccessful and since then my parkour level has slowly been declining um, but there was a point where I would literally go to work stack shelves all day finish work at like 10 pm cycle into Cambridge train in the dark for like three hours on my own at one of the spots oh. and then I'd cycle <laughs> home and then next morning I'd go to work and I'd do it again and I'd do that all the time um, but you know this is this was years ago now but yeah I, you know I I still have a love for it and I'll still go and do a backflip once in a while but (laughs) my body has moved on from parkour unfortunately even if my heart has not
1: cool you're very passionate about it and like it seems like the making videos and having ampi sound is a way that you you live this love it's really cool Thank you. Exactly. And, and Ampi Sound is, man. Ampi is, Ampi Like this is since the long time ago. After doing the swapping shoes with uh, Shane, I went to watch some videos on YouTube, some old parkour videos. Mm. And it's crazy. Like you had, like, which video did I watch? Maybe it was Livon, I guess. Yeah, I think it was Livon. There's Kalum, there's Phil, Kai, Danny. Everyone is in the video. And these people, they made history. That video made history. And it's really cool to see. So very much. Thank you. So you like you being out there for this long, since the beginning of uh, YouTube being famous or parkour being famous on YouTube. um, what What do you see as like the biggest changes in the parkour community as like a sport
0: and as seen by the masses? The biggest changes, I think in the parkour scene itself, obviously the biggest change is how broad the spread of parkour is. Like when I got involved in parkour at the very start, it was a very small community. Everybody knew everybody. You could only talk to each other on a few handful of forums. You couldn't, for example, just travel to another city and find a parkour community there. They didn't exist yet. No one knew about it. So at that point, it was really, really small and over time it's grown and now you can you can go to Tokyo and there's a parkour gym in Tokyo you can go to Brazil and meet up with the guys in Brazil that are doing parkour there's parkour everywhere and the interpretations of parkour are so different around the world so in some ways it's very split because what I think of parkour my parkour that I grew up with is very different to what the Americans are doing because their spots are so different um Mm -hmm. So in terms of the parkour community, I think that's like the big change I've seen over the years. And on the YouTube front as well. That's, I suppose the element of that has shown in YouTube as people's interpretations of what being a parkour YouTuber is have grown as well. When I got into it, I was literally just filming my friends at jams. And it was an archival kind of thing. And then Some people kind of have started doing stuff that's more vlog style, like Stora, and that's a style of parkour. Mm -hmm. And then the POV thing that I initially started went massive. And now there's some channels that just make Spider-Man POV videos and they do very, very well. Not even parkour is just (laughs) Spider-Man (laughs) POV. Yeah, and it works. And the thing is, is that, you know, what parkour is has grown into society over time like it's been in James Bond it's been in all the superheroes do parkour now you see Captain America doing a cat pass in the movies and as parkour has infiltrated society its um its growth has changed it as well
1: yeah when i started i didn't see parkour so much as the superhero kind of thing it really seemed like a discipline and there was all this kind of crazy gurus from suburbs of paris doing it and nowadays it seems to me that it, it has a little bit more of a, like a childish kind of image to the rest of the world because of all the superheroes in the stunts and the youtube channels do you feel that this this is actually the general image to the roads like this child do a childish thing or do you feel like it's just my paranoia
0: i definitely think <laughs> that i mean i don't know i think the thing is to muggles their interpretation of parkour 10 years ago is what are you doing you're jumping around like kids <laughs> because everyone knows their kids will jump off of little walls and stuff so i actually think in the broadest perspective now as the generations have kind of aged people that would be telling us off 10 years ago who were 30 or 40 they've encountered parkour now they know what it is they might still think it's dumb but they actually understand it yeah yeah <laughs> And then the other side of things is that when we were doing parkour 10, 20 years ago, there were no gyms. You couldn't go out to a parkour gym. You could only train on the streets. Mm -hmm. So that directly limited the youth of parkour because until you were about 16, you weren't going to be allowed to go out and train in concrete on your own. Ah. So I I think that the interpretation of parkour as being childish is some ways – stronger now than it was because it's something that you know that kids actively do they do parkour whereas i think before Mm -hmm. people were being likened to children but parkour wasn't actually seen as childish if you knew what it was does that make sense
1: yeah yeah. cool yeah that's a very good point i never thought about it i agree with you changed my mind (laughs) about this childish thing is true now kids have more the opportunity to to try in the beginning the safe environment but on this uh, cringe uh, YouTube road, it mm. seems like you completely went through it. You never got into this uh, cringe side of YouTube. Do you purposely do it?
0: Um, <laughs> I think that depends on the viewer as to if I'm cringe or not. Certainly, um, <laughs> Parkour Analysis, for example, as a series, it's got me being very extra. That can be quite cringe. But... YouTube is a game and you know ultimately someone's going to be cringe and I would rather clickbait people with my videos which at least I feel like show the truest interpretation of parkour I can offer than something really really crap like someone doing rubbish parkour in a Spider-Man suit I'd rather they at least get clickbaited into a parkour analysis video where I'm complaining about a French woman doing fake parkour, but at the same time, I then (laughs) highlight four female parkour athletes that are actually talented. Um, And equally, I'd rather they watch my POV videos that actually show real parkour athletes and real parkour teams in real locations and not something that's super cringe. So I think that you have to apply cringe in the right way. (laughs) Um, It's definitely something I try to avoid. I don't always succeed in avoiding it. And I think that, You know, at the same time, if you know that you can use the cringe as a tool that will be beneficial for you, because ultimately, you know, ampersound is is a career, I do want to grow the channel and make money and support people and all these things that come with it. And if cringe is a tool I can use, I will use that tool. I'm not going to avoid it just because it's cringe because there's massive parkour YouTubers that no one in the community knows about that have got more subscribers than me because they make cringy POV videos. (laughs) So you have to kind of balance up, like, what do I want to achieve? Where do I want to draw the line?
1: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, as you said, YouTube is a game and the, the winner is the one who makes the most uh, views, <laughs> that gets the most revenue and most subscribers.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. And
1: cringe using like, uh, when I'm saying cringe, I use like uh, making videos that are that are lame, you know, <laughs> because you can see a lot of parkour videos that are just lame, like not only the Spider-Man suit, because some of them can be really cool. But there are a lot of like late for school that is not
0: even based on parkour <laughs> training. 30-year-old man late for school every day of the week. <laughs>
1: like one YouTube yeah, channel that you mean. has 20 late for school videos. The guy didn't learn to leave home a little bit earlier. Or to catch an Uber. He made enough money now to I catch know. Ubers.
0: <laughs> that makes me laugh. But that's And that's the thing. Like there are some YouTube channels out there. I won't name them, but if you look at the views, you can see when there's Spider-Man in the title, it's like 10 million views a video. And then the next video has like 10k views, and no one's interested. And obviously, I have the same problem with Ampersound. Not everyone wants to watch something like On Ascent, because that's quite a niche viewing experience versus a POV video. But I try to spread out the lens of parkour as wide as possible. So you get the parkour analysis stuff, you get the parkour videos the true parkour videos the ones i'm actually happy with like on ascent full circle and then you get the povs as well which are usually going to bring in views and subscribers and they also are you know another part of it as well
1: cool nice nice i see your point very nice you don't post uh, as much as uh, any other parkour youtuber
0: no, well, it's, it's it's a grind. And I don't like grinding, I find it very if I'm not creatively inspired to make something, even if it's just like a normal little POV edit where, for example, your one you went to Barcelona, you filmed the action, if I can't sit down and edit it, because I haven't got the song or I'm not in the flow, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And that kind of drive to create only happens so often. So when it does, I'll smash it out in like two days and then I'll take like a month off because I'm just not inspired.
1: <laughs> yeah, you said it's grind. I just watched the YouTube video of Kent Jones about how I hate the grind culture and he's saying the exact same thing. Like on social media, it's always saying, like oh, you have to do uh, as much as possible. When people keep romanticizing this idea of working 100 hours a week and not sleeping just to create more and more. Um, whereas it's really nice if you just follow your rhythm and you actually do things because you really want to do do you work regularly like every day with ampersound is that a, like a real full-time job like hard stuff all the time you have to go film edit youtube maintenance whatever
0: um it depends i i do something for ampersound every day Um, I just took January off completely because I needed a break because I grinded really hard last year. Um, I say grinded I didn't (laughs) grind that hard but I grinded harder than usual. Um, But yeah I do something for Ampersound every day whether that's social media stuff or going on YouTube replying to a comment here and there. Always something you know posting posting the t-shirts at the post office Mm -hmm. you know but I also do have other things going on other jobs outside of Ampersound so you know, it's not my only job. Video
1: making also?
0: Yeah, also, well, because of the COVID, I've obviously recently found that there's not many jobs coming in for video making. Mm-hmm. So um, I've I've leaned into some of my previous skills, which is in tech and web design. And I've been doing that on the side just because I get bored and I wanted to do some more projects. Mm-hmm. But now, hopefully, you know, we're on the tail end of that. It's warming up. Yeah. I can do more filming and go back to the stuff I really want oh. to do. Uh,
1: what is your best favorite memory on your whole relationship with parkour? Your whole story of parkour?
0: Oh, wow. That's a big question. Lewis. Come on,
1: man. I, and I, I,
0: my best favorite memory on my whole relationship with parkour <laughs> flip an egg. Take your time. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, <laughs> you know, there's a lot, um, I don't. I, I couldn't just give you one memory. Yeah. But I can give you examples of like situations that are that concept, mm-hmm. or of, of what that memory could be. Uh, an example: I went to Tokyo for a month, and I just put on Twitter, "Will someone put me up in Tokyo for a month?" And Masaru, my friend Masaru Sakak- Sakakibara, literally let me sleep on his floor in his tiny box apartment for a month just because of parkour like the fact that i can go and do that Mm -hmm. because of parkour that's a favorite memory another favorite memory was i wanted to uh, i got hired for a job in istanbul for canon and me and neil had gone out for dinner that night um it was our day off from the shoot and we saw these two lads on a roof on the other side of the city and we just walked across the city istanbul which is like a hilly city and we've just, I just had a feeling, I was like, I think it's behind this door. We walked through this building, we found these stairs, we walked up these stairs, and we found these two guys who were <laughs> on the roof. Just somehow, we just found <laughs> this roof. And we just watched like the sunset over Istanbul from the Galata Tower, and it was just incredible. And I was just like, how is that a thing that you can do? That And that's a memory from parkour. Or, you know, one time me and Danny climbed a crane in Barcelona in the middle of the night, And we get to the top and we look down and we realize we're surrounded by security guards with dogs. (laughs) And we have to then ninja out of this crane and this building site in Barcelona in the middle of the night. Like that's a parkour memory. So Mm. I couldn't couldn't pick one thing (laughs) because each of them are so different. But those kinds of interactions, those little stories you only get from having a parkour lifestyle, that is the memory in its whole. No, that's very nice. I like them all.
1: Uh, you you really have a very strong relationship parkour. You're very important to parkour. I really enjoy it Do you do you get like hate from parkour people like from the community people saying like, oh, you don't train You just want to make money off, off parkour people uh, You're a poor Tunis, or something like this
0: um, Never openly probably someone feels that and I can see why they would you know at the end of the day I'm not doing the parkour I'm just mm-hmm. the, the messenger Um, but you know I think that in the earlier days that was an opinion that was more commonly held because people didn't understand that there is a space for facilitators in the community like with skateboarding everyone knows that you don't have to be a good skateboarder to be a good skate photographer or a good Mm -hmm. skate filmmaker but you know, those people understand skateboarding as well. And I think that in the early days of parkour, because there was no industry around it, there was no large YouTube channels, there was no jobs. It was very much, oh, you don't do the parkour, then you aren't contributing to parkour. But I think as the community has grown and aged and people like like Giles and the starers and myself and other people have grown these brands and these industries and you know kira and jimmy the giant have shown that you don't have to be doing parkour to be part of the culture i would hope that that hate quote unquote is not such a thing anymore but if it is you know i expect that there's still going to be people that feel like you know oh that should have been me and it isn't and and that's just life you know but um if someone does have something to say i would absolutely listen to it and try and you know respect that opinion and work towards you know showing them that my intentions are good even if sometimes my execution is mm-hmm. poor cool.
1: nice yeah your the roles of the non movers are as important or even more important in different aspects than only the practitioners you know like the video makers the managers gym owners the coaches that don't have to be that good of parkour sometimes um All right, so let's go to TikTok. Okay. I wrote this one specially for you.
0: Oh, baby. Adobe Premiere or Sony Vegas? Oh, Premiere, easy. Canon or Sony? Canon. Although I use use Sony right now, I think Canon cameras are fantastically easy to use, and I will probably switch back very soon.
1: (laughs) Parkour or free running?
0: Parkour, easy.
1: Coffee or tea?
0: Coffee. VZF Productions or Three run tube? Oh, easily visive. Come on, come on. I, no, no disrespect to Chase and what they did, but there's only so much liquid drum and bass I can take, so it's definitely visive. <laughs> Pizza or pasta? Uh, I'd say pasta.
1: <laughs> David Bell or Sebastian Fukan?
0: Seb Fukan, easy. Seb is the founder we deserved and the founder we didn't get, unfortunately, but everything Seb does, fantastic.
1: Danny Labaka or first lav
0: it's Danny. You know it's Danny. I do love Oleg as well, but Danny is someone who's so close to me. He's taken me on so, so many wild experiences and <laughs> pushed me to things I would never thought I would ever do. Um, you know, it's it's definitely Danny.
1: Do you think... Uh, I don't know if he's listening to this. I hope not because I don't want to make him too flattered. <laughs> but do you think that someday someone will make a documentary about Daniel
0: Labaka? Probably someday. I mean, th- God, the amount of stories that Danny has things that have happened around Danny things that he's facilitated not directly he's not like some mastermind but there's a certain type of person who can bring out like the best in you and Danny is one of those Mm -hmm. people who even though he doesn't always realize he's doing it just because he's so committed and he's so sure of himself in many ways Mm -hmm. you absorb that and then you start being committed and sure of yourself as well um so you know i would love to see that because there is a fascinating story there honestly the story around the whole family is astonishing i don't know who would make it but i would like to see it archived you oh i don't know if it could be me but maybe i do have all the tapes
1: (laughs) come on man just do it fuck that would be so beautiful i think it's something that netflix would buy
0: really maybe
1: if you put the right work in it It is true It's, it's hard work I I can be your executive producer without any executive uh, experience. Let's go. It's doomed to fail from the start.
0: I think think that it's the kind of thing that I want to see happen in the future. And I don't think that I could do it on my own. But, you know, it's the Mm -hmm. thing that they'd have to agree as well. And I don't know if Danny wants that. Mm -hmm. I think that in some ways, some of the best stories are never told by the person the story is about. So, you know, I I think it's a complicated one to just say, yes, let's make the Danny documentary (laughs) because he's my friend. I couldn't make a fair documentary on Danny because he's too close to me. It would need to be someone who has a more distanced understanding of him as a person to really, truly explain the story, I think.
1: Ah, yeah, I see. Uh, that's the name also, Danny. <laughs> and I can see the poster already, only with his silhouette with the man bun here, his hair. <laughs> yeah. Or the very classic uh, air form figures.
0: Oh, yeah, the Danny pose. <laughs> the
1: Danny pose. <laughs> the MTV Ultimate Parkour Challenge. Okay, Scott, thank you very much. Do you have any message you want to leave for uh, inspire parkour YouTubers or to parkour athletes, for to the listener in general?
0: Um, Inspiring messages... Not particularly, but what I would say is that I think that in recent times, especially because we've just had a year where everyone's kind of cooped up in their homes and they've had really to sit down and think about what they're doing with parkour, I think that right now is one of the most pivotal times in parkour that we're going to have for ages. Because we had like the first wave where parkour came. And then we had the second wave around like 2009, 2010 with the internet. And then the third wave in the mid-2010s with YouTube. And now we're just starting the next era where all the first wave of parkour people have gotten to the stage where they've got businesses like gyms and Tempest and stuff like that. So I think if you want to get into parkour now, whether it's a content creation perspective or a gym perspective or a brand, it's actually a really good time because in the coming year there's going to be like an explosion of of parkour stuff because everyone's going to go back outside again things are going to open up so i think that if you're even considering doing a podcast or whatever like you are like you have that it's a good time to do it because everyone's got so much time right now so you know you can try things with almost no risk because everyone's at home anyway
1: (laughs) yeah cool that's very good thank you very much I hope you have a very good day. Thanks, bro. At this moment, we did the usual soft goodbye, but decided to keep on talking. There's a downgrade on the sound quality, and I hope that you don't mind. I would like to use this short break to remind you that Swapping Shoes is fully supported by you. So, if you'd like to contribute, there's a link down in the description. You can then hit me up on Instagram with a message you would like me to share on Swapping Shoes, a shout-out, a suggestion for topic or guest, or just so I can say thank you. Okay, enough of this break. Let's get back to our chat with Scott Pace. Thank you. Thank you, man. It was really nice. That's all right, mate. I even made a, a heart for you. Oh,
0: it's so cute. Do you want me to keep <laughs> recording or should I stop it now?
1: You can stop. All
0: right. That was quick. I thought we were going to talk for longer, actually.
1: Yeah, no, but like it was not so quick. It was the normal t- amount, 25 minutes
0: all oh, right is that how long it usually is
1: of course i would love oh, to make right. a longer podcast because there's so much to talk about
0: but yeah. that's the first one going for ages that's the problem <laughs> you can keep talking for for ages oh i actually can <laughs> when it comes to parkour there's so much there's so much in there there's so many so many years of like you know parkour knowledge and experience that when someone gets me going on parkour i just don't want to stop because there's so much to talk about so tell me
1: so tell me tell me something that i want to hear i'm I'm recording still you don't have to put yourself back to recording i'm recording this <laughs> okay t- t- tell me what is like your the biggest knowledge you one of the biggest a very valuable thing that parkour has taught you that
0: you can apply on your non-parkour life oh right well one of the things that parkour taught me particularly, I, I am not a very confident person in in like my heart of hearts. I'm actually quite a, I doubt myself a lot, right? I have savage imposter syndrome. But one of the things that parkour taught me, which is wonderful, is that you can kind of get away with anything if you just ask for forgiveness instead of permission. And, <laughs> and what I mean by that is like, it's, often better to just go and do the thing you want to do not always and then if it goes wrong be like we're very sorry that wasn't my intention because ultimately you get to actually do something and inaction is one of my biggest weaknesses because I I think oh you know what I'm not good enough for that I won't do it and what parkour has forced me to do by going out and trespassing every weekend for the last 10 years (laughs) is that I've got to go knowing that something's going wrong. At some point security are coming and they're going (laughs) to kick us off. And I've just got to be okay with that. And it's it's kind of taught me that I can be in a situation that I'm uncomfortable with and it's going to be fine.
1: That's cool. But yesterday I was having a conversation with my student. Of course, it gives you this confidence and this idea that it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission uh, lots of times. But isn't it like a, a confidence to a specific domain? It's not actually that you can apply it to everything because you can ask for forgiveness for going up on a rooftop and just saying, sorry, I'm filming parkour. But would you ask for forgiveness for something like, I don't know. Like you had to steal something.
0: From <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had to steal this. I'm so sorry. Um, I think obviously it depends on your intention at heart, right? If your <laughs> if your intention is good, and you not, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go and ask for forgiveness for murder. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on depends on what your what your action is. But in the more broad sense, like you know there's a there's a lot of situations where i have wanted to achieve something in my life in my heart and i've been like right i really want to go and do this thing and then because of me just pursuing it almost like recklessly but without permission pursuing it just going and doing the thing or trying to do the thing it's actually worked and i'm not spiritual in that way i don't believe in like manifestation or any of that bullshit <laughs> but i definitely believe that if you really want something and you really want to achieve something you actually do increase your chances of it happening because you'll put yourself in the situation to achieve it. So when maybe asking for permission instead of uh, forgiveness instead of permission isn't the right word, but it's more that by having the knowledge that if you do the first part of the jump, like leaving the ground, mm-hmm. then the rest of it kind of has to happen. <laughs> um, I think that's like the the thing that the the big part of knowledge that I will always keep in the rest of my life from parkour. Because I know that if I really want to go and achieve, I don't know, a meeting with Elon Musk, I could probably actually go and do it if I really wanted to. Like, I believe that I could.
1: It's like the boldness. Yeah. That? Taking the risk is good. It's uh, Let's be cliche. It's like uh, bad decisions make good stories.
0: Exactly. And I think <laughs> that the thing is that ultimately, the more action you take across the the board, whether it's parkour or non-parkour life the more things you try and do even if they all fail and it's, oh, it sounds so self-help but they genuinely <laughs> do actually add to your repertoire of things that you you learn yeah you know what I mean like even if you go and I mean gosh we've tried so much stuff in the past that just went horribly wrong things that I've tried but also those skills eventually come back around and are useful so yeah
1: Yeah, yeah, because it shapes your your experiences and your decision making for the future, for sure. Yeah, I usually think that sometimes I'm so regretful about decisions that I made in the past. And then once a friend of mine, a good friend of mine told me, you can never regret about any decisions that you made in the past, because when you made this decision in the past, that was the right decision. So you made it because you felt like it was right. So yeah. right now you just learn from it also. So actually making that decision was a good thing because you're not going to do the same mistake, unless you're really dumb. I I <laughs>
0: yeah. And also the thing is, I think the one thing that I've learned from parkour—it depends, obviously, how philosophical and how cerebral you want to get into it—is that the me of five years ago understood what the me of today could be, and set me up for it. So sometimes I'll 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 get I don't know. I'll be doing my website and I'll have left myself a note when I built the website saying, by the way, this is how this works. And at this point today, I've forgotten, but the me of the past counted on the me of the future needing help. (laughs) So I think that, you you know, if you're, and and parkour shaped that within me because otherwise I was not a very forward planning person Mm -hmm. and having to understand like, you know, the risks and consequences of parkour and also particularly on my side of things, having to learn, how are we going to get five lads to New York to make a video? How are we going to, where do the cameras come from? What happened? Do we need insurance? All these things that I've had to learn to do, they end up setting your future self up by yeah. your past self, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. gives you also so it, This gives you a lot of confidence too, right?
0: Yeah, because I, I kind of feel like I've been, like even if I mess up now, the me of two years ago has got my back and has made it so that, I'll probably be okay. You
1: know yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 I understand. Do you think that this is a big differential between that, like, that made you successful, like with Ampy Sound, The fact that you, you've you been learning, except from the jumps, you've been learning how to optimize your potential with parkour, but without moving, but with the organizing and the planning. Do you think there's a differential yeah,
0: I mean, for you? I mean, it's definitely, definitely part of it. Like, There was a time where organization in parkour was very frowned upon in the early days because it was seen as like, oh, it's a bit cringe, but it's just, you know, this is supposed to be our fun hobby. But I think that naturally one of the skills I have luckily got is I'm quite good at organizing in a broad sense, like here's what we're going to do, this thing's going to go this way, and that will result in this, like as a logical process. So I think that being in the stage I was in parkour, where I was very lucky to happen to be in like the heart of the community, have a camera, have a YouTube account, and it all worked, meant that the natural disposition of me being an organizer, being a facilitator, was able to shine through and create success. Because I didn't go out being like, right, I'm going to make parkour videos and I'm going to get lots of subscribers on YouTube and I'm going to make loads of money because I don't. <laughs> unfortunately but um it was you know the my nature resulted in that i think so mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of complicated but i no, do think no. that
1: i think you're, you're making your point very clear and i think it's a very good lesson for everyone to hear um is do you have like a like a plan for the future with parkour or
0: you're kind of living the moment every day mostly um i have some broad plans of things i want to do, things I want to achieve. It's not like, I I don't know how Stora can make a video, two videos every week. Those (laughs) guys' work ethic is astonishing. Mm -hmm. I can never do that. I know there's seven of them, so it's a bit easier, but that's that's just so beyond where I'm at. But at the same time, I do have broad ideas of things I want to do. I want to grow the YouTube channel. Uh, I want to try and bring on more athletes and more projects and do more stuff for fun. I would love it if I could get AmperSound to a stage where we can do like our Roof Culture Asia-esque mm-hmm. project. Not like a long form thing, mm-hmm. but like, can we fly six lads to Croatia and make a video? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. And we, and we know that Motors can do that and other people can do that, but I want to do that, more of that. Mm-hmm. And that's like my kind of broad goals. And then like micro goals would just be to continue building it as a as a business basically because I can't do it forever and i don't want to do it all on my own forever either so bringing in team members here and there and turning it into a proper thing
1: mm, cool maybe one day it will be a tv channel not on a youtube channel
0: <laughs> maybe i don't know if that's likely but i i would i do think that parkour as an entertainment thing is not yet everything it could be
1: Yeah, it's not well explored. I think about it and and keep like this last week, I thought so many times why there is no really nice parkour content on Netflix. Mm. Like one documentary, one series, like something serious and something nice. Imagine, for example, Swapping Shoes, this podcast, but it's a video series and I'm going to travel to people's location, talk to them and we train their spots. They tell their stories and, Imagine this 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 is missing, you know, this kind of uh, entertainment, this series um, for the masses, but also for parkour people, of course, but for the masses yeah. and
0: well-explored, well-produced and organized. That would be so nice to see. Oh, and the thing is, like, now parkour is, is growing, and in 10 years, I think parkour is going to be even bigger because, like you see with rock climbing, like rock climbing has had a surge of documentaries recently of, like, mm-hmm. good ones, and they're on Netflix. And I think that parkour is just one of those things that will get there as well in time as the community continues to grow. And, you know, like, has our has our Michael Jordan started training yet in parkour? Has our, has our GOAT emerged or not? Like, some people say that Danny was one of the greatest or Phil was very good. And now someone like Ed Scott could be seen as one of the greatest. But has the actual greatest parkour athlete even started training yet? I don't know. Ooh, maybe. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? Isn't that an interesting it's thought? True. Like it's true. I look at like like the greats of my generation are now vastly surpassed by like kids who have been training for like five years. And they're doing stuff that some of the greats of my generation would never do. The fact that the That's manpower true. gap That's a front good of front you know and, and gainer, you could gain it, didn't it?
1: Yeah, well. gainer, someone did it again. Yeah,
0: like the manpower gap is getting gained, whereas five years ago, eight years ago. If you could jump the manpower gap, you were hot shit. Mm. The fact that people like no, not no names, but no one really knew those guys who gained it. They weren't like a big known parkour team. But the fact that they're gaining the manpower is just destroying all of our generation's idols because no, no, those guys ever did that.
1: Yeah, but it's is there's a proportional uh, metric there because the leap that it was necessary for Danny to make an impact to the road and Phil and all like to make an impact to the road, that leap was way bigger than the leap that is taken now. Like, I don't want to. Of course, I don't want to diminish the accomplishment of all the the upcoming athletes because it's of course it's great, but uh, yeah, I think it's harder to do the Kong. Pre in IMAX, sorry, Cat Pass pre in IMAX. <laughs> then doing um, uh, doing this in two thousand and six, it's harder than doing now the massive one in IMAX. Also, but sticking, you know, I think it's a yeah. I agree. I mean, obviously, portion. the level has
0: the level has increased, but on like a base analysis, comparing athletes from two thousand and six to athletes from twenty twenty, the skill level in twenty twenty is just miles beyond. What yes. was being achieved in 2006 and I, I if you do a skateboarding comparison maybe our tony hawk has been and gone but tony hawk was not known ever as the best skater he was known as the most famous skater mm-hmm. whereas someone like niger uh niger hudson he was Houston, yeah, he was 10, yeah. He, he's like one of the best skaters but less famous than tony hawk mm-hmm, so yeah. maybe michael jordan isn't the best comparison because he was Famous and very good, but I do wonder (laughs) if our our the best athlete has yet started training, and not just the most famous athletes.
1: Yeah, I see. Some people could say it's Dom. Dom is a good package.
0: Dom is very good, but the the thing is, the thing about Dom is is Dom (laughs) is doing massive stuff. Dom is like Dom is like a particular lane of of parkour, like Jaws. There's a skateboarder called Jaws who does just fat gaps, and that's what he sends. And then, like Rodney Mullen is like someone like Pasha, who's doing weird little techie things. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if there is ever going to be a, a best skater or a best parkour athlete. I yeah, like, I don't think there will I ever say. be awesome. I think yeah. it's too broad. But I do, I do wonder if culturally there will be one who is that person. Yeah, like everyone. everyone knows who Tony Hawk is culturally, and I don't think everyone knows who a person, a parkour athlete, is culturally yet
1: like danny like uh, there's a lot of people who are doing parkour right now who like the new generations who don't know what they did and who have hasn't watched his Mm. videos yeah it's a crazy thought to think and we don't have like a a strong cultural diffuser yet to the the to the community most part of the content that we see it's just the media, like the immediate entertainment, like jumps and uh, vlogs or POV videos, but we don't have this like historical um, content being put out there yet, that we will educate the new generation about how parkour became what it is today. I think it's something yeah. that is missing. And I hope that-
0: I some... agree. I think that when the parkour forums went away, a lot of that historical content, Mm -hmm. because early days of parkour, like you had to sit down and talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Because there wasn't that much content out there and you had to like go to some sketchy website and download the video to watch (laughs) the parkour video, (laughs) right? So all of that, like basically it meant if you were gonna be on the internet and you were into parkour, you were gonna talk about parkour. And because of the early days, it was only people that were like quite tech savvy, that could get on a forum in the first place and talk about parkour. Mm-hmm. It generally meant that those people were also, you know, fairly thoughtful and educated and were going to discuss parkour in a higher way mm-hmm. than a broad set of people might, because it was very like, it's a bunch of nerds basically. Right. Yeah. So they're just nerding out over parkour and they're talking about the philosophies of it and, and this and that. And now parkour is much more accessible like Instagram and YouTube You don't need to go and fight your way through articles and articles of nerds fighting over parkour. You can just go and watch the moves and you can copy them. So what it's meant is that there has been a dilution, to quote a Blaine article, in the attitude to parkour because it's more accessible. You can get to the movements without having to go and fight your way through all these articles and people fighting about the philosophy of it. So I do think that there is cultural knowledge technique and philosophy but more technique in some ways that has been forgotten about because that knowledge hasn't been passed on in a mouth-to-mouth way like it used to be back in the day which is why when that like you were talking to Phil about touch mm-hmm. touch for me is like such an obvious thing everyone mm-hmm. in the Cambridge community knows touch and understands what the point of touch is and having that cl- you know clean landings and being quiet and doing things properly and and. Like, for example, Harrison, I taught him how to jump from scratch a couple of years back because he had weird technique things. He was like, hunting his arms up high, (laughs) limiting his plyo. Mm -hmm. So we had to work on him, you know, fixing his techniques so his plyos were better. But that's the kind of thing that unless you have someone teach you in person, you're never going to learn. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't come from a video on YouTube or something on Instagram. It's very specific technique knowledge that you need to have someone stand there and say, you need to fix this, this, and this, and this, and this is why. And I think that those parts of the community can get forgotten about because some people will naturally be good at parkour and just get it, and they'll just get the technique, but they won't necessarily know why that technique is good or how to spread it. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but a lot of people who are getting to parkour right now, they're like the new generations, they come straight from the gym class, the parkour mm. classes. So this this technique is being spread in a different way. I don't think it's like the same as it used to be with trial and error. Like Harrison probably took a few years until someone told him. Like nowadays a kid is twelve years old, get it get into a parkour gym and the instructor will tell him exactly how to position his body to do a fly on. So that's I don't true, think that true. the technique is like the biggest concern, but I feel like the the philosophy and the historical part of parkour this is gonna be diluted for sure because it is already being and it's so much easier for someone that is 14 15 years old to go on instagram and get really entertained by watching pasha and dom's video than listening to a 40 minutes podcast about the history and philosophy of parkour you know so
0: yeah for sure it's it's one of those things i think also I am very biased because my interaction of parkour has been very on the streets. It's been the unorganized side of parkour. Mm -hmm. We didn't have gyms growing up. There were no (laughs) gyms growing up. And we didn't have the opportunity to go and get taught by people because those people didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So my interpretation of what I think parkour should be in that way is you should go out and learn it the hard way. But I, at the same time, it's very important that kids can learn in a safe environment and it grows parkour in general. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a complicated one. And I think that my own personal bias affects my views more than they should be prescribed to the whole community. <laughs> um, I just I just do think that there's certain things I see, even now, you know, well-known athletes doing technique-wise. I'm like, ooh, that's a bit weird. And I feel <laughs> like they could improve it. And it's just because that knowledge maybe isn't, in the community as broadly as it should be i don't know yeah
1: yeah people don't talk so much yeah there, there was more this uh, this discipline uh, mindset before and now it's not so much anymore it's way more about the clip hunting than the discipline le- learning so yeah. there's a lot of people doing crazy gaps and not knowing how to do a parkour role uh, That's
0: true, That's true. <laughs> the other interesting thing that i can see happening in the future is like at the moment there is no coaching space for high-grade athletes. Like, if you're a pro athlete, if you're a dom, you're expected to teach yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But in other sports, if you're like a high-end gymnast, you have a coach. If you're a high-end martial artist, you'll still have a coach. Even if they're worse than you at martial art, you'll have a coach to help you be a better athlete. And I do think that it'll be interesting if in the next five, 10 years, there emerges a space where tenured athletes of our generation people like the dannys the doms end up being able to coach the new generation the top end of that new generation in yeah, like yeah. A, in like a high-end coaching way not coaching kids but coaching the best of the best yeah
1: i totally agree that this has to happen and not only the strengthening and the conditioning part, because this is already happening you see a lot of athletes that are coached by uh, like Tom Taylor does, and Calum is also creating some programs to mm-hmm. s- to some athletes, but I think that there's got to be uh, a lot of technical coaches, you know, like this, these guys that are very experienced and who lived and experienced parkour, learned through trial and error and through research that can watch the movement of the top-end athletes of the next generation and tell them, if you want to improve this and that, uh, we have to work on this. and Yeah, that would be really cool to see. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. To be so cool, to just help people getting like just taking the best out of them, you know. Because if you if you if you take like a Harrison for example, as you have, and you see his niche, his strengths on his bodies, on his body, and you can you can of course you can work on his weaknesses, but you can really optimize his skills to the max. If you're an outsider watching it and telling him, bro, you see this what you're doing? Let's work on this. Let's make this really special. And he will listen to you because he's not only a buddy, it's gonna be a coach. So there's also this a little bit of authority that can bring so much value. I, I can't wait yeah. to see this. I think it's a really good point for the future.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think and I hope I hope that does happen. And like, I mean, you know, I don't know if anyone's doing that kind of stuff yet, but sometimes at jams or or when I'm training, like I can I can coach Harrison, I can coach Phil with, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? That doesn't look quite right. Your hips are a bit low or whatever. But I can't coach little kids. <laughs> you know, there's a certain skills. The skills are so the skills are so different between a high-end and a low-end coach. Yeah. So, you know, it's the, the no one's doing that yet, I think, is really interesting. But I would like to see someone, I don't know who it would be, but someone take on that, you know, high-end, top-end of the athletes. This is, you know, the things you need to, to tweak because it will be better. You know
1: yeah sick man this is this uh, we're giving away all the good uh business <laughs> tips for the parkour. all the good ideas coming out all today
0: good... <laughs> 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 don't forget to Speaking mention up, that's actually reminded me there's something i've been thinking about doing and i think giles is also maybe going to do it but i was thinking about doing a sub-series on another youtube channel of like how to start a parkour business but not like you know buy some t-shirts and put your logo on them. But like the actual how you do that. Like if I sit, you know, everyone can sell, buy some t-shirts and put a logo on it and sell them. But where do you get your t-shirts from? What's the best way to do it? How much should it cost? Like that kind of the actual nitty gritty of it. Or like, for example, you want to be a self, if you want to buy a camera. Mm -hmm. Well, if you register self-employed and then buy the camera, you can expense the value of the camera. So you won't pay any tax on it like these kind of things around business in parkour that no one talks about in parkour and there are certain specific parkour elements some of it's general business stuff but like that is useful information that I think no one's talking about right now and it's something that I might consider offering that information in general like you can you can make a t-shirt brand in a day if you want to and you can have you know swapping shoes t-shirts tomorrow if you want to have them online that's what there's a, I think, um, Height drop. have just done this exact system. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to do, but no one knows about it. And I think that that's the kind of thing that business yeah. owners in parkour would benefit from knowledge as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it would increase the market, improve the market of parkour by a lot. And more money, more opportunities for everyone to stick to parkour and take it seriously as a career. I, I can't help but notice this big-ass gun behind you, man.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's um. Do you remember we did those zombie videos?
1: That's what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> From that, yeah. I, it's because I had to buy it for the zombie videos, the sniper gun, and uh, now it's still here. Uh, Have you ever used yeah, it I, since then? It's only an air rifle. It's only a, B, a pellet gun, a BB rifle, so it's not a real gun. Um, yeah, Sometimes I no. will get bored and shoot out the window, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. It's not a real gun. But it's funny because once in a while I've taken a business call and that door's been open. And then halfway through the call, my girlfriend will shut the door and it just reveals that it's not right. <laughs> in the that's just what, ha- what just happened. When... Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> you know, especially because sometimes these calls are with American companies. So they're like, is that a real gun? And I'm like, no, it's not. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: you, you, you leave that there on purpose.
0: Yeah. You
1: leave it there <laughs> just on for purpose. the reveal. And you also ask your girlfriend to close the door on purpose. I'm
0: like, right, 20 minutes in, babe, just, uh, just close the door for me. <laughs>
1: <gonna be> <laughs> Need to show them my power. I'm waiting for this YouTube channel or podcast with Giles, and you can just be talking to all these people who open their own parkour businesses. And cool, I think it's, it? it's, yeah, it's something really valuable. It's something that can make a lot of difference for sure
0: yeah it's something i'd like to see i might not even do it but it's just there's there's things that can happen mm-hmm. that aren't happening yet like that robin the coach guy he's he's doing little bits of coaching stuff on instagram mm-hmm. and i don't even know that all his coaching is stuff i agree with but he's at least offering it yeah and i think that you know more people doing weird little things and trying things like that like you are hmm it will grow the community again because ultimately the more discourse in the community, like there was back in the forum days, results in more community understanding and knowledge, like the save your clips thing that um, started up. Mm -hmm. That was like one little YouTube video, but it actually made people save their clips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the community was shaped directly by that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, the more we can start planting just these little bits here and there, it's not going to affect the broad community but it might affect like the core micro community. Yes. That you, you know, there are There are lines in the community of where people are, and some people are very, very core, and some people are more on the edges of that, and some people aren't <laughs> interacting with that at all, and that's mm-hmm. all fine. But there is a certain core community that we can influence, and I think if we want to influence it in a way that is good, and I do think that saving clips for longer-form projects is good for parkour, yeah. then we can and I think we should and I think that those, those little things that happen from a little podcast here and there, people talking about it is great. So, you know, I just want to see more of that. Cool. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it didn't waffle too much, mate. Sorry, I know I can no, no,
1: no, 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 Scott. I think it was, I think it's great. I'm very happy. Very happy to listen to all of that. It, you also encouraged me to keep it up with Arch Club because um, we are very motivated, me and Caio, on keep keeping on doing it, but Sometimes my motivation fades away and I'm like, man, people don't care about it. People just want to see Instagram clips. They don't really, but it's what you're saying. If we can influence the core community, it really will create a strong foundation to the whole broad community.
0: 100%. And the thing, like, if you look look at Kieran Jimmy the Giant, he has become very rapidly someone that people listen to in the community. Mm -hmm. despite him having not that much like long-term community interaction he's not been around for that long yeah you know he's been around for i don't know five six years but he's not like a 15 year og Mm -hmm. and he's never been like a particularly well-known athlete in the scene for his Mm -hmm. movement but the one thing he's doing well is he's telling stories about the old school and the new school and different things in a way that people want to listen to So people are listening to it yeah and your sphere of influence can literally be if you are making something that people want to listen to as long as it's genuinely good yeah people will listen and it will it will grow so you know and and the fact for this swapping shoes thing is that the more you make and as the guests are exciting and interesting and the content is good and people want to keep coming back they will keep coming back
1: Mm -hmm. yeah they will come back after listening to you (laughs)
0: <laughs> probably not after this one that's it Lewis sorry <laughs> they're all unsubscribing on Spotify you see it now fuck the British dude oh so annoying everything yeah, he was teaching free. me shut up
1: <laughs> he was teaching me like I just wanted to put the uh, double tap my Instagram screen
0: yeah <laughs> what is all this shit about meaning and doing things oh fuck all that mate it's just hashtags hashtags and bait songs speaking of which Here's a tip for you. If you want to grow your Instagram, just spam reels.
1: I heard about it. I heard Every about
0: day, it. Just spam your reels and use bait songs and it gets you followers. It has to be followers.
1: shit music, also. I heard about it.
0: Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Literally, that's what I've been doing. We've just been spamming reels and we've grown the account from like 50K Instagram fans to like 160K in like three weeks just by spamming reels. <sighs> it's annoying, but you've got to play the game, you know? I don't know if I want to play the
1: game because fucking annoying music really annoys me, man. And I really want to listen, to watch my own videos without them being mute. So if I'm introducing myself to someone and mm. this person sees my video and it's playing being the love generation, I don't want
0: that, you know? Like, <laughs> well, actually, my secret is I've I just found that out. So I've now got a friend of mine who picks the songs for me. Because it's all Zuma stuff, right? It's all like stuff the kids like. And I don't like any of it. And every time I'd go on TikTok or Instagram, i just get stuck at the song. And I'm like, I hate all this. I just hate it all. So I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to have to put myself out of the equation and let (laughs) someone else pick the shit songs. And it works. And you know what? If I can trade some shit music for 100,000 Instagram followers, I can put good music on later down the line. If Yes. I can go back to doing what I want. But business wise and having that scale of account is higher than the benefit of me having songs I like
1: can i can I get your friends to also pick my songs <laughs> or pick songs for <laughs> me
0: go on the whatever one I use last, you just use that one as well <laughs> and then you
1: just, you know. one will lead to the other one too yeah, we create our own trends always <laughs> I will do that I would do that yeah. <laughs> maybe not the um, same song, but the same artist,
0: yeah. <laughs> So fun it's true though it does work and you know it depends what you're, how you're using these platforms if you're using them as tools you've got to treat them as a tool you know you're not supposed yeah. to hammer a nail with the end of a spanner, but you can so mm-hmm. you know you should you need to Thank you all right how do you do it <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for the Lewis clickbait viral song oh my God porn star clips you know you <laughs> should yeah <I> mean, Wow. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's not porn star clips. It's girlfriend clips. And that's oh, yeah, yeah, fine. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you should talk about this. But I got to tell you that I give Pasha the huge props for the confidence, man. You, it's, it's, you have to yeah. have massive balls to to just embrace it. and For sure. Real love. It's beautiful.
0: <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, he's playing the game. Sometimes it's yeah. not good for you but you can't you can't hate someone playing the game, I think, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, he does what he likes to do. It's his decision-making back to the beginning of the video. Right now, it feels right for him. So just go on and do it. Yeah. Not about the dating, but the playing the game. The dating man's oh, personal yeah. life, I, that's I whatever mean, he you
0: wants. You've got to think of, at least for Patrick's side things, he's like, he went from speaking no English in Latvia, swinging around on bars, doing whatever it is, <laughs> to living in Los Angeles, being a very famous female and having some cash, you know, he's probably like <laughs> crying, crying himself to sleep with all his money and girlfriend. Like, you know, <laughs> you can't hate the guy for that. He's upgraded his life massively. Yes. I don't necessarily know if what he did was the best thing for parkour from a women's perspective. And I do think that he could have been more careful and a little bit more thoughtful yeah. in his presentation of it. But you know, it's one of those things. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's a self-made man.
0: Yeah, he's a self-made man.
1: <laughs> Maybe he's the Michael Jordan for our generation, the or the Matthew, Tony Hawk. Oh, I don't know.
0: He <laughs> <laughs> could be. No, I think I think Dom could be that person because Dom actually keeps it really, really real, which yeah, I really yeah. like. Yeah, it's true. Like he he does all the big stuff. He can do all the non-big stuff. He actually really keeps his nose like to the ground in the parkour community. Mm-hmm. He regularly yeah. shouts out called community people. He takes on projects for the community. And he's like a really honest, genuine guy. Like he comments on the on Sound posts all the time. I always see him liking the post and commenting. And yeah. there's some other big athletes that don't do that. And I yeah. you, I always notice that Dom he really watches the community. He's really in there. And
1: he's in that. there, man. And he's like he's doing his podcast also that it's only just talking yeah. with parkour people. He does his vlogs. He's always uh um, present on on instagram and not with cringy stuff and stuff like this he mm-hmm. just training and his filming is really real yeah. and he's really big i really give
0: yeah every clip is a banger i don't know anyone yeah. <laughs> since danny who could just literally oh and joe recently has been absolutely slaying it but people who can just upload like silly stuff every clip like week in week out yeah. don, you just scroll down his page and everything's insane so Don't many clips that. and oh, so m-
1: so good quality. imagine
0: imagine being a bin man in australia and then turning into being don tomaso <laughs> and, and just sending fat fronts like what have you had him on the podcast
1: yeah he was a second guest
0: oh right i didn't see it the, yeah, one, yeah. Sorry.
1: it's true but it's true yeah yeah but i i should talk to him again uh, oh yeah but, like you know, his you know, leap you know, was, was
0: like massive literally a, yeah he was literally like a uh, ice skater and then a bin man and then parkour
1: yeah ballet ballet dancer
0: ballet dancer as well
1: ballet dancer yeah. and then garbage man and now he's Crazy. maybe the biggest parkour star the, definitely the most respected uh inside of the parkour community and the influen- influencer world. yeah
0: yeah i agree
1: good good man good man now, thank uh, you very much. Really, really appreciate it. <laughs> I, uh, see you. Have a great, great uh, day. And All right, week. buddy. Talk
0: Take soon. Care. I'll see you soon. Ciao, ciao, Bye. Bye, bye,
1: Thanks for joining. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to follow Scott base on Instagram on, at MP sound. And uh, we are club. Let me know what you guys think. And I hope to see you soon next week. I have uh, recorded already the next episode after this one, and it's hot. <laughs> okay, guys, ciao ciao, PK for life.